It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Hello, people, and <clears throat> welcome to uh, another edition of TalkShoe Show. Uh, my name is David Chandler. I'm your host, and with me now is my co-host for the evening, Najee T. Hawkins, who's been in the military for quite some time. Um, of course, everybody knows that, well, knows both of us, knows that we've been friends for a few years, and tonight we're going to be talking about a very controversial subject. I say that every time I do a show, but this is pretty controversial. And it's going to be um, a continuation of the of the subject, the Illuminati and the, and the New World Order. And the only reason why I'm doing this tonight is because we're we're seeing Bible prophecy being fulfilled as we speak. And tonight the number is 724-444-7444, and the access code is 137404. And for those that are not dialed in or they don't have a, a TalkShoe uh, account, you have to dial a number one followed by a pound sign. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for being with us and for your loving care and for, for just being who you are. Father, we ask that you give us the wisdom tonight to answer any important questions regarding the subject that we're going to be discussing tonight. Open up by people's minds and those that don't know the truth just uh, keep them perceptible to the truth be with be uh, be with us tonight as we pray in Jesus name amen amen all right then so let's get started um i want to talk to you guys about the Illuminati and the One World Order, or this New World Order. Now, for the past 30 years, every president since, I guess, since um, Nixon has been talking about a New World Order. Henry Kissinger said on national television that the world will be ripe, or it will be that the world would be ripe for a one world for them to set up their one world government. Um, there, there, just it's just too much evidence surrounding us that there, are, there is a shadow government running things from behind the scenes. 
I, I want to just talk about those things. Um, and tonight I'm going to get into a lot of things. I'm going to get into a lot of subjects. Um, I'm going to talk about a lot of history, you know, as to how these things came about. And for one thing, I want to talk about the Illuminati, which was started in 1776 by a guy by the name of uh, Adam Weishaupt. And Adam Weishaupt was a law professor at the University of Ingolstadt, which is in Germany. And it was called the Bavarian Illuminati. And they were, and it started in Germany, actually. And what they were doing is they were, you know, they started conducting strange rituals until they were made to to stop. They they were made to, um, it was a law passed, and they were forced underground, but they continued. And after that, they just decided to um, spread throughout the entire European world. And what I'm going to do right now is read to you guys the history. And first of all, what I want to do is is focus on the word Illuminati. And it's plural. It comes from the plural of Latin, Illuminus, or Illuminatus, which means enlightened. It's, it's, it's a name given to several groups, both real and fictitious, but we believe that these groups are real. And historically, the name refers to the Bavarian Illuminati, an Enlightenment-era secret society founded on May 1st, 1776. And these people are Luciferians, and I'm going to get into what that means in, in, the, in a few minutes. But the, the society's goal, were the, the, their goals were to oppose superstition, uh, obscurantism, religious influence over public life, and abuses of state power. But their actual goal, at least that's what we were told, but their actual goals were to take over the world by finance, television, media, and education. And so we have... Um, a guy by the name of Adam Weishaupt, which was born in 1748. He died in 1830. And again, he was a professor of canon law and practical philosophy at the University of Ingolstadt. He was the only non-clerical professor at an institution run by Jesuits, whose order had been dissolved in 1773. The Jesuits of Ingolstadt, however, still remain the purse strings and some power at the university, which continued to regard as their own. Constant attempts were made to frustrate and discredit non-clerical staff, especially when coarse material contained anything they regarded as liberal Protestant. Weishaupt became deeply anti-clerical. In other words, he denied Christianity and denied the Bible, and what he ended up doing was getting involved in the occult, you know, preferably Gnosticism. He was very... Um, uh, he was obsessed with, uh, you know, you know, obscure, you know, uh, obtaining enlightened knowledge, and that's 
what we find in in those enlightened eight in, during that time during it was called the enlightened era during the 1700s back when Benjamin Franklin um John Locke um Thomas Paine and all these other guys they they were all enlightened thinkers and they denied the bible they denied the god of the bible they they said that god was not applicable to common sense. When Thomas Paine wrote the the pamphlet Common Sense, nobody knew what it was what was in Paine therein, what was inside of it. You know, no nobody knew um what he really believed because those ideas were hidden from history and this is what the Illuminati does. The the Illuminati and they change history. You know, they financed the communists, and the communists ended up changing their you know history to make them out to be good people. When in in, in reality, they weren't good people. They were not godly people at all. They, it was not about the class. Well, it was about the class struggle, but it wasn't the way they explained it to the average man. What communists do is they explain to the common man that the class struggle is in your best interest. And this is what the the Illuminati wanted us to believe, and this is why they got involved in education and finance, because they wanted, the class, they wanted to establish a class struggle. And um, the, uh, the, the Illuminati were all about the enlightened, you know, the enlightenment, they they were about um taking control over again finance um education and things of that sort so i'm going to continue on reading uh on may 1st 1776 weishaupt and four students formed the perfectibility uh perfectibility i'm sorry I'm, I'm having a little difficulty pronouncing this word but Anyway, taking the Owl of Minerva as their symbol. So the Owl of Minerva is, well, the the Owl is symbolic of ancient wisdom. The the Owl is symbolic of esoteric knowledge. And um, Weishaupt became Spartacus. Uh, Law students, Massen, Hassen, you know, all these names, these are German names, so I'm going to have a little bit of difficulty pronouncing them. But Weishaupt later expelled Sutor for indolence, and it was not until April 1778 that that the order became the Order of Illuminati after Weishaupt had seriously contemplated the B Order. All right, uh, so... You know, there were internal problems. The order had developed pro, uh, profound internal divisions. Um, so they ended up moving underground, but they continued to practice and things of that sort. So uh, again, the the the, Rusa, the, the Rosicrucians, um, Weishaupt wished to keep the existence of the order secret from the Rosicrucians who had already who already had a considerable foothold in German Freemasonry. 
While clearly Protestant Rosicrucians were anything but anti-clerical, pro-monarchical, and held views clearly conflicting the Illuminati vision of a rational state run by philosophers and scientists. And so people believe that the Illuminati just fell apart and, you know, it doesn't exist anymore, but it actually does. And so what I want you to do in the GT is explain to us what Freemasonry is and where it's from while, while I continue to search for some more information on the OTO. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I can actually, um, I'll start with the Illuminati as well and uh, explain, to go a little, a little more detail into the name, which will, it'll help, it'll help people understand the connection between the people and the name and the association. Uh, but let me, let me go ahead. Now, the Illuminati is, the name is actually referenced to being illuminated or being filled with light. Uh, for the Illuminati, they believe that they are somehow illuminated because they possess an esoteric knowledge or a hidden knowledge, and it gives them an edge over all of mankind because they have this knowledge. Uh, I'm reminded of the events that took place in the Garden of Eden. The serpent in the garden, when people imagine the serpent speaking with Eve, they the the picture we've been shown all these years since I've been living is a serpent in a tree, a snake that's in a tree, and uh, there is a fruit, and Adam and Eve is on one uh, Adam and Eve are on opposite sides, and you know the snake is talking to Eve, but when you really look at the word uh, serpent used there in Genesis 3, um, the word there is nakash, and nakash is the Hebrew word uh, that means uh, deceive or, uh, matter of fact, let me look it up really quick. All right, while you're doing that, I have the article here in front of me, and it says, uh, the article was written by Ray Novosel, or Novosel, sorry. And history uh, history records that on May 1st, 1776, Dr. Adam Weishaupt founded the Bavarian Order of the Illuminati. Weishaupt was a professor of Jewish canon law at the University of Ingolstadt in Bavaria, Germany. He was born to Jewish parents and later converted, or more correctly, infiltrated Roman Catholicism. He became a high-ranking member of the Order of the Jesuits, whom he subsequently left to form his very own organization at the clear behest of his newly formed House of Rothschild. It was the Jewish... Weishaupt's belief that only a chosen few could qualify for enough illumination. And before I go on, um, does the Bible talk about secrecy? 
does the Bible speak against joining secret societies and taking oaths and things of that sort? And of course it does. And I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15. And it says, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? So, the prophet Isaiah is saying that this is totally against Scripture. This is totally against God. We're not to get involved in secret societies. We're not to uh, to take part in oaths and things of that sort. But this is what we have here. You know, the, the word occult is comes from the latin uh mean, comes from it's it's latin meaning hidden or concealed and people join the occult because they want secret or hidden knowledge and they want power they want prestige in this world and but Jesus Christ tells us that we're not to to join any of these these organizations we're not to take oaths let your yes be yes and your no be no but let me continue on with this article. The problem was, there, where could he find enough intellectual light bearers to start the ball rolling? He subsequently found them in various lodges and orders of the day, such as the various Masonic lodges, the, Rusicru- the, the Rosicrucian order, and other legit, legitimate and sincere orders of antiquity. This is confirmed yet again by Edith Starr Miller in her classic Occult Theocracy, as the organization of the Illuminati developed, so did its ambitions, which ended in a plot to subvert Freemasonry to its aim of world domination by any and all means. And after obtaining control of certain Masonic lodges, Weishaupt and his associates rec- recklessly vaunted their growing power. So this was what the Illuminati was about, taking over the world using the three things that I just mentioned earlier, finance, media, and education. And the Illuminati, under the renegade Weishaupt, gradually became an open, destructive, luciferic society with everything in its doctrines and rituals. The exact antithesis of Christianity began by enticing its victim into the first few initial degrees by the most beautiful altruistic and fraternal ideas and noble aspirations possible. Again, these secret societies are not going to reveal to you their true God and what they're truly worshiping. They're going to appear to you to be altruistic. Um, you know, they, They're going to tell you that they're good people, they go to church, uh, that they worship the same God that we do. But again, let me continue. However, it gradually and almost imperceptibly weaves a net of murderous Satanism as it descends into the higher levels. Now, the higher you go, the more you are exposed to the ideals of Satanism. That's with any secret society. But the lower you are, the the less you know, because they believe that the higher ups, the higher adepts, are open to more light. And the more light they're open to, you know, the more uh, truth their their uh, or in their case, the more of uh, their truth they're they're going to be exposed to. Hey, GT, are you there? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm here, my brother. I'm here. Did you find the information that you were searching for? Oh, yeah. I'm, I was just waiting for you to finish because uh, it's, it's going to flow right into it. It's going to flow okay. right into it. Okay. I know you, was, uh, you were just talking about um, Luciferianism, and mm-hmm. uh, once you get into that, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll continue where I was. I, I can actually uh, show where Luciferianism actually started or how, how it even came about. Um, but you said something about the Illuminati infiltrating the Roman Catholic Church. Yes. I'm thinking if they was all they were already messed up. So when the Illuminati infiltrated, it just made it that much more worse. Well, yeah. Um, I believe that. Well, of course. Um, I, in my cult, in, in our cult series, I wanted to get into Roman Catholicism and start from the very beginning and show and prove biblically, well, scripturally, that Roman Catholicism is nothing but paganism in, in, in whiteface. You know, it's nothing more, well, it's nothing more than paganism in, to make it, it dressed up in Christian garb. Right. And, so and that's all Catholicism is, you know, it's all it is. It's it's dressed up to look like to make it look Christian, but it, in fact it's not. It's far from being Christian as it possibly can be. But let me continue on here, uh, so you can, uh, you know, so you know we can get some things done. Uh, in fact, some of the most influential Jesuits in history, such as Francisco Ribera and Emmanuel, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, were Jews, seeing that many of the Jesuit doctrines are similar to those found in the Babylonian Talmud. And let me stop right here because I'm getting a lot of, not fan mail, but I'm, I'm being told that the Illuminati was a Jewish conspiracy and I don't believe that. As a matter of fact, there are those, like, for instance, within the Rothschild family bloodline. They're Jews, but they stopped believing in Yahweh years ago. And then there are other bloodlines within the 13 Illuminati uh, families that, don't, that, that have no Jewish ancestry at all. Some of them come from, uh, not Norway, but some of them come from... Um, uh, man, they, they, some of them come from the Celts. You know, the, they, they they descended from the ancient Druids out there in 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 uh, Ireland. And so it, it, something's missing here. How is that a con- Jewish conspiracy? But see, there's a lot of so-called conspiracy theorists like Tex Mars. I'm going to start naming names, so get ready. You know, Tex Mars will tell you that. The, the Illuminati is a Jewish conspiracy, and it isn't. You know, I've read his book called The Jewish, The Illuminati, The Jewish Conspiracy, and it had this huge um, hexagram on the front of the cover of the book. And, um, of course, the, the, this symbol is used in the Israeli flag, which actually means it's not the, the Star of David at all, but it's 
the it's called the hexagram, which is one of the most evil signs in Satanism. And I'm going to get into all the signs and symbols later on in the show. But I don't believe that the Illuminati is a Jewish conspiracy at all. I, I just don't. But I'm going to continue on here. It is possible that the Roman Catholic Church is simply another agent provocateur that the Pharisaic serpents have yet again to paganize and destroy true Christianity through the vain traditions of men. Now, I believe that the Jews back in Jesus Christ's day were serpents because they did not believe that Jesus Christ was God. Back in during Jesus' day, you had two Jewish sects. You had Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, and the Pharisees didn't believe that Jesus Christ was God. So you had those, and so since you had those Jews that did not believe, and even now you know, have Jews that don't believe, you had uh, the, the Talmudian Jews that don't, well, the Jews that follow the Talmud, they don't believe in that Jesus Christ is was the Messiah at all. Then you have the Orthodox Jews that don't believe either. As a matter of fact, they'll be- tell you that Jesus Christ was a heretic. And then you have your so-called, well, the Messianic Jews that believe that Jesus Christ was actually who he said he was. So, but we believe after um, when Jesus Christ takes the church from the earth, the Jews are going to be gathered together again, and they're going to know uh, Christ is going to um, reveal himself to his people, and they're going to believe again. But I, I digress. Let me continue on here. The Illuminati under the renegade Weishaupt gradually became an open destructive. I read that part. Uh, however, it gradually and almost imperceptibly weaves a net of murderous Satanism as it descends into the higher degrees. I've already explained that. Weishaupt wanted a deistic republic of truly global dimensions, even if it bought, even if it brought about violent worldwide revolution and rivers of blood. Ah, so here we go. Here we go. Now things are starting to get a little interesting. Can we say communism? Can we say Marxism? You know, uh, Karl Marx wrote his book, uh, well, it was him and Frederick Engels, they wrote the Communist Manifesto, got it published, I believe it was in 1878, 1879, thereabouts, and they wanted a class distinction, so or a distinction between the classes. So there's always content between the poor and the rich. Don't we have that now? That sounds familiar, doesn't it? The Illuminati, uh, well, let me read some of the points here. Ordered by nationalistic governments in the form of monarchies, that's England, private property, inheritance rights, patriotism to national cause, nationalist causes, social order and family, sexual prohibition laws and all moral codes, all religious disciplines based on faith in living God as opposed to faith in nature, man, and reason. It is interesting that this is most, this is almost word for word from Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, and these six points are also perfectly consistent within the protocols in general, once again proving their legitimacy. 
Now, I'm going to get into communism and Karl Marx, and all this has everything to do with what we're getting ready to get into. So, Najiti, uh, if you would, um, just go ahead, and uh, the floor is yours for the next, I'd say, about half hour. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Well, I try to um, I try to bring the information that you have, uh, and we we're supposed to touch on or connect this topic from a biblical perspective, and mm-hmm. I'll do just that. <clears throat> okay. Now, again, we were talking talking about the Illuminati, and the Illuminati pretty much, as David said, was created in 1776. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to get into uh, how this is represented on the back of dollar bills and things of that nature. I I really don't mean to interrupt, but isn't that the same year that the Declaration of Independence was brought into act or signed, I should say? Or was that the same year that the National Guard was formed? 1776 was the year that we celebrated our independence from England, and that was in July 4th. But, uh, yeah, it was the same year that the country was founded. Just inquiring. But, yeah, May 1st is very significant, and I want you to pay close attention to a lot, because I'm going to get into that later on in the show. But May 1st is very significant, because that is the year of the Beltane, and that's where people, witches celebrate or let me okay let me backtrack that's may 1st is the year where witches celebrate their um their sabbath i guess it's called the beltane and that's another day is uh the uh, birthday of communism which i'll get into that as well but uh go ahead Nigiti. i'm sorry uh, who's calling this is uh jamel yeah that's me Oh, welcome to the show. Peace, bro. All right, so uh, uh, thanks for that, uh, Jamel and David. Um, Now, looking at the Illuminati and how it was created and how it's associated with Luciferianism, we know Luciferianism is pretty much the worship of Lucifer. Now, when we talk about these secret societies, New World Order, uh, Council of 13, uh, Trilateral Commission, we tend to think of only the human element when in actuality there is a, a Luciferian element or a demonic element attached to it. And they literally, they literally get instructions from this body of people. And pretty much just to sum it all up, it's Satan and his fallen angels. Now, again, as I stated earlier about the word Illuminati, now notice this. Luciferianism or the worship of Lucifer is associated with light because Illuminati pretty much is a reference to someone who is illuminated or with light. And remember, again, that is in the realm of esoteric knowledge, having some type of uh, 
some type of hidden knowledge. And I want to take you to uh, Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to just read uh, up to, I'm going to read up to verse 3, I believe. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Verse 5 or 6. Let me just do it. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you eat it. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. I'm going to stop there. This is, this is where it started. The whole, uh, this is where Lucifer, and uh, anybody can check me on this if they think I might be reaching. And I might be reaching, but in Revelation, it says that uh, Jesus said to the church, he would not put any burden, any other burden on them uh, uh, in regards to the depth of Satan's doctrine. And I believe Satan's doctrine spans all the way back to the garden here. The... Uh, the deception that you can obtain some type of hidden esoteric knowledge and thus become God. Remember, mm-hmm. this is what this is what he was uh, saying in his heart. And uh, I'm gonna find it Isaiah fourteen twelve. And remember, this is the only place where uh, Lucifer is used. All right. Should be in Isaiah fourteen twelve, and we'll start. And if you're reading from anything other than a King James version at this time, you might be you might get confused. Uh, but I'm reading from a King James version right now, and this is how it's worded: How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit, up, I will sit also upon the mount of congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That is what Satan or Lucifer, as he was prior to his fall, was saying in his heart. That's directly from the scriptures. That's what he was thinking to himself. Now, I know that the timeline as to when Satan fell uh, is somewhat confusing to a lot of the uh, body of Christ today, Uh, but there are a lot of saints who actually went out and did the research and I want to give credit to where credit is due. Um, there's a brother named um, 
Douglas Hemp, and he is a uh, a student of Hebrew and Greek, and also a an author. And he's written a book called uh, "Corrupting the Image." Uh, if anybody get a chance, you can check him out. Uh, he has a lot of YouTube videos, and uh, check out his books. And uh, he this he suggests that the fall of the fall of Satan or the fall of Lucifer didn't take place in what is called a gap theory, where uh, the world was created perfectly, and between Genesis one one and Genesis one two, all of a sudden Satan is thrown into the, the abyss and causes chaos, and the world became. Uh, void and formless. Although the idea sounds good, it sounds good, but um, when you look at the creative sequence, you'll see that it was a continuous action that God did. And uh, just to show you that in the after God created everything, um, he was finished and he rested on the seventh day. You can read it in Genesis chapter 1. He uh, he finished, and then in chapter 2 it says, God saw everything that he had made and that it was very good. Everything was good, everything. The angels, men, the animals, the earth, the universe, everything was good. This was on the uh, sixth and the seventh day that the Bible tells us this. So we couldn't have a, a, a Lucifer who, who was fighting in heaven on the very first day in Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, thrown to the earth, and he's floating around somewhere in space waiting for his next time to shine, uh, that, would be, that would be a clear contradiction to God saying everything was created, everything that was created was very good. And I wanted to get that gap theory out of your mind because now I'm going to take you down this rabbit hole. And it's a good rabbit hole because you're going to understand the the sequence. This is uh, this is Doug Hamp's theory, and I went and did research and descriptions myself, and it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, and again, anybody can go and do their own research and uh, just pray to God uh, that He gives you the answer. But again, all right. So the sequence. Is this after creation? After creation, uh, we, we're not given the time frame as to when the fall actually happened after creation. But again, as I mentioned almost ten minutes ago, the Illuminati is referenced to light and is Luciferian. Now, the serpent in the garden, as I was telling y'all before, uh, when we see a picture of Adam and Eve in the garden we are shown Adam, Eve, and a snake. But the snake here is, the serpent here is called Nakash. And the root, and the Hebrew word, that's the Hebrew word for serpent. But Nakash, uh, the root word for Nakash is, is the same word, Nakash. And it means this. It means to practice divination, divine, observe signs, learn by experience, diligency, observe, practice foretelling, take as an omen, the practice of divination, uh, to observe 
the signs or omens. All right. So apparently this being, this serpent, is uh, is in the garden, and he has all of these attributes to him. Now, another thing that we don't uh, that that we forget is that in Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, God describes, and I'm gonna go there too. Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, God is describing how he created. Satan or Lucifer. And remember, in the cre- in the beginning, everybody was good. Everybody was good. And Lucifer, again, from Isaiah 14, 12, means light bearer. And this is how we get Lucifer associated with light. Now, another thing that you need to understand about a light bearer, a light bearer does not produce light of himself. He reflects the light of something uh, of of something that is producing light. So the reason I brought up the whole King James and uh, other translations is because um, in the NIV you will find that Lucifer is actually translated as morning star. But a morning star is not the correct definition. Light bearer is because a morning star produces its own light. Our morning star is the sun. It's the sun. So the sun... When he when his light shines, it shines on everything uh, in his path, especially an object that doesn't produce light. That's why a lot of planets, uh, to us, when we look here from Earth, when you look up, you think they're stars until uh, you really pay attention to it. But or you look at a telescope. Right. Now let me go back. To, I'm gonna go to Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. All right. I'm sorry. Now, the background to the story is that Ezekiel was prophesying against the uh, king of Tyre. Tyre, I think, I believe, is like northwest of Israel, Tyrus. Tyrus himself, or not Tyrus, but the king of the prince of Tyrus is more than likely a man and more and that's what he says in verse nine. The prince of Tyre was saying that he was a god when he is actually a man. But the conversation changes when it gets to Ezekiel uh twenty eight verse twelve because now God is telling Ezekiel to take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus. And you'll see where I'm going with this uh, a little later on. I got about 15 minutes, I think. All right. One of man take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Oh, he was in Eden. The only three people we know that was in the garden of Eden was Adam, Eve, and the serpent. All right, let's Correct. Every, every precious stone was our covering, and Sardis, topaz, <clears throat> and the diamond, the barrel, onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, uh, gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub. 
I wanted to stop there. A cherub was a like a guard, like a guardian angel. So we know Lucifer; he was created as an angel, and he was the light bearer. He bared light. So, but the light wasn't of his own. So, after Lucifer did what he did in the garden, this is when he fell. This is when the light was taken from him. And you can read further down in uh, in uh, Ezekiel, not Ezekiel. Uh, it might be Ezekiel, Ezekiel twenty-eight and Isaiah uh, fourteen. Uh, you can read how he said he caused a fire to be consumed down. Now, Satan doesn't produce his own light, but a cherub is sometimes interchangeable with a sapphire, okay? And seraphim were called flaming, flying serpents. So now when you think about the events in the garden, don't look at, don't take these pictures you see with this uh, Ill, elongated snake standing up, talking to Evie with an apple in his mouth and all that. No. <laughs> Lucifer was an angel. He was a serpentine type of angel, all right? He lost his light. He fell, in, he fell in the garden just like everybody else. The only difference is he usurped uh, dominion over the earth from Adam. He was mm-hmm. given real estate. But it wasn't. It was only. It's only for. Uh, it's only for temporary, uh, temp, uh, temporary time, or for for a short period of time. We already know when Jesus Christ comes back, He takes the earth right, rightfully. He takes. He's the rightful owner of the earth, and this is what the uh, seven seals represent. The seven seals in Revelation uh, represents the uh, title deed to the earth. Now. And we're talking about real estate. We're talking about the earth. Now, again, Lucifer was an anointed cherub, and then he deceived Eve and Adam. Adam ate the fruit. Well, he deceived Eve, but Adam ate the fruit. Uh, He gave it to his wife's uh, wishes, and then they brought sin into the world. But at the same time, like I said, it was usurped. Satan usurped the, um, the, the earth from Adam. And Lucifer fell, and he became the devil. Now, the events that took place where Satan was saying to himself in his heart, oh, I'm going to raise my throne up high. I'm uh, going to become like the most high. Uh, Here's here's another thing. The scriptures don't clearly say, the Bible doesn't say this exactly. Uh, We can deduce but I'm not saying this is what the scriptures say. This is what I picture in my mind is going on, based off of the uh, the sequence of events that took place. Satan is walking around, saying all this to himself. He's going up to diff- uh, some of the different angels, you know what I'm saying, talking trash about God. Uh, and the reason I say that is because looking at another word in Ezekiel 28, uh, I'm going to go back to it, Ezekiel 28. Uh, let's continue with verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. So iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled thee, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. 
and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thy heart, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Uh, now, we go back right here in uh, verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise. Uh, here, merchandise has uh, something, to, something to do with trade or, or trafficking, trade, things of that nature. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug, Douglas Hamp has made a, because uh, again, he, he understands the Hebrew and the, the roots thereof, and said that the trafficking was like Satan was going about in heaven, uh, uh, what's the word you, uh, uh, he was talking trash about God, but what's what's a, uh, a more professional word for it? Um, spreading, uh, spreading rumors, rumors or lies. Yeah, something, something to that. Or saying all <laughs> kinds of derogatory statements about the guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a more professional word. I'm, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. But any in any case, so based off of this, he was saying that. He's going around uh, saying all these things about God, and then he he got one-third of the angels to follow along with him. And this is probably perhaps where Revelation looks back at the war in heaven where uh, Satan tried to come up against God, and then thus, well, actually, uh, it, this was probably his intent. And then when he got down to earth, this was like the fight, the last straw, and here he is uh, talking to Eve, and first of all, you know, mixing lies with truth. He got Eve all messed up, and now she done bit the fruit, and she gave to her husband, and he ate the fruit. Now sin is in the world. Now God appears, and he judges all three of them. Now, with with Lucifer, he's now the devil. He's the adversary, Satan. He is completely against God, and just as uh, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 pointed out. Now, when he fell, one-third of the angels fell with him. Now, many of these fallen angels uh, were given authority over a certain real estate. If anybody read the book of Daniel, you recall when Daniel was praying, he was praying hard, and then God sent an angel to deliver a message to him. But he said that the prince of Persia held him hostage for some time where he couldn't get the message to Daniel. So what God did was sent Michael, the archangel, who was in a higher realm of angels, because there's like ranks within uh, the uh, domain of uh, the angels. Michael, the archangel, comes and frees this angel to bring a message to Daniel. Looking at Satan himself, Satan is called the god of this world. Now, the world here is not, the the word translated from the Greek is not cosmos, but it's actually aeon, which means age. So that tells us that his reign over this earth has a a beginning and it also has an end. And we know that end comes when Jesus Christ returns. Now, further proof that Satan has real estate. We're talking about the earth. Uh, 
the proof of that, if you recall, when Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted of the devil. Now, Satan came, came to him and said, hey, I know you're hungry. I'm just paraphrasing here. He said, I know you're hungry. Go ahead and uh, if, you, if you are the son of God, go ahead and turn those, uh, that bread into, I mean, that, those, those rocks into bread. So Man, we know where. Now look, he tried. He 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 succeeded with Adam and Eve, well, with Eve, and uh, led to Adam eating the fruit. But if Eve would have did what Jesus did, and that was stand on what God did, stand on the word of God, she uh, she probably wouldn't have been deceived. But here's Jesus. Jesus says, "Imagine I live by bread alone." So we move on to the next temptation. And then the next one, after that one, he, it says it takes Jesus up to a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in one time. Satan says this to Jesus. He said, I will, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you all of this because it was given to me, and I can give it to whomever I want. That's exactly what uh, Satan said to Jesus. Uh, can anybody check me on that? Am, am I wrong when I say that, when I point this out? Say that again. Oh, and by the way, you were quoting Matthew chapter 4. Okay, thank you. I'm going to continue on, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, so Satan's here, and he has real estate. Now, Adam and Eve, everybody's kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve, they start having children. And they have a son named uh, Cain and Abel, two sons. Now, Cain ended up killing Abel because his deeds weren't right, although Abel's was. Abel was an innocent bastard, doing the, trying to do the right thing. But Cain ends up killing, uh, he ends up killing Abel. Now, there's some theories as to why Cain did that. If you remember, in Genesis 3.15, God promised that the seed of the woman would come and destroy the seed of the serpent, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Now, here's Cain. The Bible says that Cain was of the evil one. No, I'm not saying that Cain was the son of, of Satan, but what I'm saying is that Cain allowed himself to be taken over by Satan. He's called the... He's, first, he's called a liar and the father of it, and he's also called a murderer. He's called mm-hmm. a murderer from the beginning. You see that? Mm-hmm. Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel. Then Cain went along. He took his wife. Uh, again, don't get into this whole stupid doctrine about uh, who, is, who is Cain's wife. We know that people live hundreds of years, and uh, even in other non non uh, biblical books, but like the Apocrypha, it states that Cain had a sister. Now, uh, whether he had a sister at that time he left or not, does it matter? What matters is within the time frame that he lived, which was probably a few hundred years, uh, he probably would have ran into one of his sisters or one of his uh, nieces. Now, Cain has his wife, and they begin to produce uh Children, and here's one in particular, okay? Tubal Cain. Tubal Cain. Tubal Cain was the son of Cain. 
And let me let me go pull up Mr. Tubalcane, and you'll see what it says about him in the Bible. And this is very important. Uh, let's see. Cain, 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 Mr. Cain. Tubal Cain, Tubal. Hold on. I got to find it. All right. It's in Genesis 4, verse 22. And it says, And Zillah, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. I'm glad y'all hearing this. I want y'all to hear this, okay? And Zillah, she also oh. bore Tubal Cain. Can you hear me? Oh. What what was the uh the, the chapter and verse chapter four verse what verse twenty two oh okay All right. and Zilla she also bore Tubukay, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron and the sister of Tubukay was Nama now Tubukay is credited by Freemasons as being one of the first. Mason. Ask any Mason, you might hear that you might hear them bring up the name Tubalcane. And Tubalcane is said to be the first Mason from which they learn a art. Now uh what's his name? William Cooper. William Cooper also pointed out that the Illuminati had an original name, an ancient name, by the name Brotherhood of the Snake or Brotherhood of the Dragon, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, again, we got Cain, we got Tubal Cain, who's an artificer in uh, in the works of uh, metal. Hold on, let me go back. Let me read it again. Tubal Cain, an an instructor of every artificer of brass and iron. He was an inventor. Okay, he invented things. Mm-hmm. All right, Pharisee. Uh, remember God, uh, Jesus Christ. He looked at he. No, it was John the Baptist, I believe. John the Baptist was like, "Oh, what brought y'all here? Y'all, uh, children of vipers, you serpents. Who warned you of the day to come?" He said, "The axe is even at the trunk of the tree, and ready to be thrown in the fire." He's talking about them. But he called them children of the serpent. You mm-hmm. see, because mm-hmm. the same way that God promised a seed through the woman, Satan has his seed. Uh, he has his own seed, and everything that is literally counterfeit or is the, he's the antitype of what God, that he counterfeits everything that God, that God does. He has his seed in the earth. Uh, and God has His seed in the earth, and right. the same way, the same way that God brought about the manifestation of His seed, Jesus Christ, who is literally the incarn- incarnate God, they will eventually have their man- like Satan will have His seed to manifest, who will be what we call the Antichrist. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I want to go. Uh, I'm gonna go into a little bit, a little bit about the antediluvian age, the time before the flood. This is very important because 
we are taught in school about evolution that our family, our uh, uh, our ancestors were primitive. We came from monkeys. We didn't know anything, but Evidence against that is the monoliths we see around the world that date back over 3,000, even 4,000 years at a time where our ancestors supposedly was running around with bows and arrows and just learned how to make the wheel. Um, yeah, I don't believe exactly what I was told or taught. Right. I don't believe that because here we have Tubal-Cain as an instructor of every artifice of brass and iron. Uh, during this period of time, the brotherhood of the snake or the dragon, this is, uh, these were the people who brought about the Illuminati. This is how far back it goes. This is where it comes from, literally. And these people follow they literally follow under every belief system that we see today about having esoteric knowledge mm-hmm. and also and also having uh uh an esoteric knowledge and uh becoming God. That was one of the main things that uh Satan targeted. People's fear of dying as you can see, all of the ancient pagan religions or the uh, ancient empires, the ancient people, they did everything they could to preserve their body. Wrapped mm-hmm. themselves up and, and, and became mummies. They buried all types of treasures with themselves because uh, Satan has them under that delusion that they are one day going to become gods. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the anti-deluding age of the time before the flood, the environment was much more conducive to life. That's why people live longer lives. And you have to understand that there is a high, sophisticated production of technology around that time. Not only that, this is how we get into the UFO discussion because this even wraps into the whole secret societies because for example, Alex Crowley said that he had a uh, a spirit guide, correct? Yeah, he, he um, wrote a few of his books under the spirit guide, which is called uh, A, I'm sorry, A-I-W-A-S-S, I-W-A-S-S, I think that's what his name was, uh, what, that's what the name that he uh, used. And okay. it Not looked me. like an alien. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you've seen a picture that he drew of his spirit guide. It looks like an alien gray. But mm-hmm. UFOs and all that, pretty much all they are is fallen angels, and they were worshipped as gods. Let's not forget that Satan can transform and his ministers can transform. So they can appear as anything they want, uh, tall, white, a Caucasian man with blue eyes and silky hair, or a half god, half man type creature, or hmm. a, a, or as himself, a dragon, a serpent. He can appear as he wants, and his angels can do the same thing. So when we talk about the Illuminati and who's behind the the human element, 
Satan and the fallen angels, and again, we see how they have real estate, <clears throat> how they can control or have power over certain real estates of the world. Uh, we would probably refer to refer to them as dominion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I yield back. And I hope I didn't confuse anybody. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello? Hello? Still here. I'm still here, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah, you cut out for a second. Oh, no, I was saying uh, I yield back. I, I, I gave you the mic back. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for that treatise. I, it was very enlightening to uh, <clears throat> that you went back to Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter chapter 4, and even after the flood, which was the antediluvian age, you pointed out that all of this has something to do with what we're seeing now. And I want to kind of add to what you just said. During that time, after the flood, was when the wickedness of man was greater than it was before the flood. So when more people started to populate the world, you had what was called a think tank. Now, I want you to focus on what it was like back then as compared to what it is now. People were a whole lot smarter. People were living longer. And um, the world was a whole lot different. So let me focus on how the how those people back then were smarter than they are now. You have Genesis chapter 10, you had Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, him and his wife, or his mother, wife, uh, con, you know, conglo- conformed a religious conglomerate to reach into heaven. And out of that came a barrage of religious, or should I say occultic beliefs, which the occult is a religion, but I want you to bear with me, but they they, they formed a conglomerate of all types of occultic thought, all types of occultic worldviews. First of all was astrology. When they tried to reach into heaven, what were they worshipping? The stars. They were looking to the stars for their information about the future. And then Samaris, when Nimrod was murdered, when he, well, I won't say murdered, but when he was killed by one of his grandsons and cut up and all of his body parts were distributed to the various members of this particular new cult that they, uh, him and Samaris uh, built, it was warning to all of them, saying that if you continue in this, the same thing is going to happen to you. So what did Samaritans do? Samaritans said, well, okay, I got an idea. Let me tell everybody that my husband, I'm pregnant, and my husband uh, became the sun god Horus or Tammuz, or whichever you want to call him, because it's all the same person. 
he became Horus, the sun god. So everybody in in this group started worshiping her, calling her the queen of heaven. Right. And so now we have the Roman Catholic Church. You have other religions like the, the witchcraft, Wicca. Now the word Wicca, now I'm going to get into Gerald Gardner and, and, and Wicca and, and the Wiccan religion. Now the word Wicca comes from a word that means wise one. That's where we get the word wizard or witch. Wise okay. one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, did you want to give anybody who called oh. uh, to say anything or ask questions or whatever? Oh, yeah, it is 9-12. Um, yeah, I was on a roll. Um, anyone on the, the line um, has any questions or comments that they want to uh, add? Hello, East Maryland, you're on the line. Jamel? Well, anybody? <laughs> Can you see who's on the line? Who's on the line? How many people on the line? Just us three. Okay. All right. Well, continue on. All right. So yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> what we have now is the Wiccan religion, and what I was saying before, Wicca was started by a Freemason by the name of Gerald Gardner in June 13, 1884, and he died in 1964. And he was a Freemasonry, he was a Freemason, like I said before, and an English hereditary witch, and a lar- and largely responsible for rev- reviving modern-day witchcraft in the modern Western world. He claimed to trace his roots to a witch named Griselle Gardner, who had been burned at the stake in 1610 at Newburgh. He suffered from asthma, talking about Gerald Gardner, he suffered from asthma severely from an early age and required a nurse to attend to his needs. Nurse Josephine McCombie bought along young Gardner on her various trips to Europe and Salem, I don't know where that is, where he worked on a tea plantation. Gerald later worked and traveled to Bonero, oh, I'm sorry, Borneo, Borneo and Malaysia, in Ceylon, uh, between 1905 and 1908, he became a Freemasonry. Well, he was a part. He became a Freemason, Sphinx Lodge 113 in Colombo. Between 1920 and 1923, which is about three years, Gardner studied native lore, magic, and weaponry in Malaysia. 1926 through 1932, uh, Gardner takes up amateur archaeology, proves the existence of a Malaysian civilization predating the coming of the Portuguese in 1687, returns to England and marries Donald Rosedale, a nurse, frequents the British Museum to research Welsh and Basque folklore, encounters a whole host of spiritualist mediums, and visits an an archaeological dig in Gaza, which is in Egypt, a priest prehistoric caves in France and England. Now, I'm going to get all the way down here to... Okay, now in, in 1951, 
the last of the English laws against witchcraft were repealed, and throughout the 50s and the 60s, Gerald published some widely read books on the rituals and the traditions of the New Forest Covens. Now, Coven is a is like a group of witches. They may come together and they hold rituals. They have rituals. Um, <clears throat> I think about three times a, a, um, a year or something like that. And this lays this laid out the seeds of what would eventually be known as Gardner um, and Wicca. And or should I say Gardnerian Wicca. The resurgence of the old re- religion spread like wildfire. Now, they always use the word old, and, and I'm going to really focus on this term that they use. You know, used in, in, the, in England, a lot of words are spelled like O-L-D-E, color, as, as opposed to C-O-L-O-R, they spell color, C-O-L-O-U-R. And they always use old, you know, the old religion, the old um, whatever. And that refers to their uh, doctrines. That refers to their ancient magical beliefs, I guess you might want to say. And it spread like wildfire and continues unabated. You know, um, Gardnerian Wicca borrows very heavily from Freemasonry, Tantric Hinduism, and a touch of ceremonial magic. Gardnerian covens are always headed by a high priestess and and have three degrees of initiation closely paralleling the Masonic degrees. Worship is centered on the goddess and the horn god. Eight seasonal sabbats, or you know, the sabbat is is a uh, like the, a sabbath is sort of kind of like a uh, let me see a sabbat. It's a it's a witch's sabbath basically, and it's a festival. Okay. So. Yeah, it's a festival. That's all it is. It's it's, it's a festival, and um, all right. Where did I? Where did? Okay, where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Okay, here we go. Oh, I thought I lost my place here. So, um, let me see. Uh, let me see if I don't lose my train of thought here. Okay, in England, uh, before the Second War, Gerald was involved in with the Fellowship of Crotona, an occult group of co-masons, and met people who introduced him in, well introduced him into witchcraft. The Fellowship of Crotona was a secret society within a secret society, an inner circle claimed to be hereditary witches, which means they're part of a bloodline. In eighteen, I mean, I'm sorry, in 1939, Gerald. Uh, Gardner was initiated into the New Forest Coven by High Priestess Old Dorothy Clutterbuck. There's that old again. It, it, it was in 1940 at a large gathering of many covens that a legendary event was to take place. In June 1940, when England faced invasion from the Nazis, Gardner claims that the High Priestess of his coven 
called a huge gathering of witches in the new forest where a great circle was erected. This was a magical ritual only performed in cases of extreme emergency. Previously, it had only been raised twice in 1588 to combat the Spanish Armada, which was defeated not only by Drake and his ships, but with the help of a great storm and in the 1800s when it looked as if Napoleon would cross the channel. The ritual in the forest involved raising a cone of psychic power and directing it towards the French coast with the command, you cannot cross the sea, you cannot cross the sea, you cannot come. According to Gardner, this ritual involved the use of the life force of gathered covens, as a result, several elderly witches died. The ritual was repeated four times, and then the elders said, we must stop, we, can, we must not kill too many of our people. End quote. This was written in the Occult Conspiracy Secret Societies, Their Influence and Power in World History, page 139. If you decide to get that book, there it is. <clears throat> in 1951, oh, I read that. Um, so, Gerald Gardner was a disciple of a guy by Aleister Crowley. And I'm going to get into his secret, the secret society that he was a part of. And that was, uh, let's see, OTO. And I'm sorry? Oh, I was just repeating what you said. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, the O-T-O stands for Ordo, Ordo Templi Orientis. It's Latin. The Order of Oriental Templars, or the Order of Temple of the Temple of the East. O-T-O is dedicated to the high purpose of securing the liberty of the individual and his or her advancement, and check this out, light... Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and power through beauty, courage, and wit on the foundation of the universal brotherhood. The OTO is the first of the great old Aeon, is that word again, Aeon orders to accept the book of the law, which was, Alist which was what Aleister Crowley wrote, received by a guy by the name of Aleister Crowley in 1904. Now, there's some words here. Number one, this book, and I'm reading from the book itself. It's right on my computer screen. This book was dedicated and, and dictated in Cairo between noon and 1 p.m. On, on three successive days, April 8th, 9th, and 10th in the year 1904. The author, now listen, the author called himself Iwas and claimed to be the minister of Porha Kran. I can't say that word. That is messenger from the forces ruling the earth at present, as will be explained later on. Now, I'm going to put this all in perspective. I'm going to scroll down here. All right, let's see. Okay. Verse 21, I am, I, we have nothing with the outcast and the unfit. Let them die in their misery. Now, this is what the Nazis believed, that if you have not evolved with the Aryan race, you ought to be eliminated. You know, only the strong survive natural selection, which means only the strong survive. And if you're not 
amongst the strong, then you need to die anyway. And this is carte blanche to what Satanism believes. Compassion is the vice of kings. Stamp down the wretched and the weak. This is the law of the strong. This is our law, the law of the world. Think not, O king, that upon thy lie, that lie, that thou must die. Verily, thou shalt not die, but live. Now let it be understood, if the body of the king dissolve, he shall remain in pure ecstasy forever. Now I'm going to read this. I am the snake that giveth knowledge and delight and bright glory, and stir up the hearts of men with drunkenness. To worship me, take wine and strange drugs. Now, isn't it strange that a lot of you, your, your, uh, your musicians, the, the rock bands, they take drugs, they uh, do drugs, they drink heavily because they're looking for the spirit guides to speak to them so they can get music. So they right. can get I'll, the music from them so they can perform. Oh, I'm sorry, you were going to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to, I, I was just saying I, I saw a video today uh, that was talking about that, uh, like Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in the music industry were uh, selling their souls to Satan, per se, to, to become better. Mm-hmm. And the money. And that's sort of yeah. kind of how the secret societies operate. If you're part of the order, let, now let's just look at low-level John. Let's just say you were a manager at Burger King, and one of your frat brothers got a son who's a teenager, but, you know what I'm saying, he wants him to have a job. So you got an application from another little kid. You know, he filled it out himself. He's high speed. He he wants to work because it's not only going to, uh, the money is not only going to help him with school, but, you know, help buy food in, the, in, his, in his own house, you know. But, and he's a good, good worker. But your frat brother's son, he's lazy, uh, don't want to do nothing, always complaining. But guess what? They will, you know what I'm saying, the frats, they will stick together and they will push that other little kid's application under the uh, under the power. Now, mm-hmm. I've, seen it, I've seen it happen. You know what I'm saying? They are, they are required to be loyal to one another. Like they have all these specific hand gestures that they do. Apparently, yeah. uh, I now I can't say I've seen it happen where a Freemason was in trouble and he put his hand over his head. He put his hand over his head or rubbed his stomach or something like that, telling the judge, "Hey, you know I'm a Mason. Don't hit me too hard with the with the, you know, saying with penalties or something like that." But, you know what I'm saying, this type of stuff happens all the time. And it's even worse when it's, when it's racial. You got racial brotherhood. And, like, the police department that's under uh, 
that's under investigate uh, investigation for planting evidence on young black teenagers as they pulled them over. And I mean, they was doing this faithfully. Uh, who's to say? And I'm not saying that they are, but you know what I'm saying? Who's to say that they're not part of a, a, a secret society like the the clan or another type of brotherhood? Yeah, who is to say? You know, who is to say? But what? I will, I will say this: uh, Elijah Muhammad. Although uh, I don't follow none of his teachings, but he did say, he said one thing that made sense to me, and I heard him, I was listening to the recording, and he was saying that he had a discussion with the chief of police, and the police or whoever he was, he might have been part of the CIA or whatever, but he said that the chief of police was like, you know what I'm saying, you might take away the Klan, but we'll come back, we'll come back as your judges, We'll come back as your police officers. So you won't really disband the the Klan like you want. And we see it happening today. A lot of police officers, white police officers, are part of the Ku Klux Klan, which which we've already identified to be a link, a direct link to Albert Pike, a 33rd degree Freemason. But what about mm-hmm. what about on the black side when we look at the NOI or black Hebrew Israelites? I mean, I can point out uh, William Crowdy, who founded the Black Hebrew Roots Movement. He was a 30, 30, uh, 33rd degree Freemason. And the Church of God and Saints of Christ, that's, that's the body that William Crowdy found. They make some, they make no arms about their leader being a thirty third Freemason. Matter of fact, they're proud of it. They they put it out there in the open. And unfortunately, we've seen uh, churches and their pastors. They're masons. A lot of them are masons. So. Uh, I mean, that's all I wanted, wanted to say, Dave. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's um, a very interesting point that you just made because we don't know who's who. You know, we, we don't know. And see, the, the occult, they teach under darkness. You know, they, 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 they operate under darkness, and they always show you, they're not going to tell you who they're serving, but they're going to show you. And all you have to do is, well, all you have to be is, you have to have discernment or enough discernment to understand what's happening. You know, you sit back and you want, you look at television and you're wondering, you know, what are all those signs and symbols, what do, what do they mean? You know, when, when you see Jay-Z hold up the diamond sign during right. a live, um, during one of his performances, or you look at, his wife, Beyonce, who's doing, you know, the, the, the AOK sign with one eye showing, on, over one eye, I should say, or you, you, you see, um, um, you know, Barack Obama holding up, you know, the, the, um, the hook'em horns symbol. Yeah. You know, what, what do they all mean? And so I, I guess what you just said 
kind of prefaced what I wanted to talk about now since it's 9.30. And, but first, uh, I wanted to finish uh, the what I was reading here, and then I'll get right into, you know, uh, uh, the symbols or occultic symbolism. And I'm pretty sure you all, you guys who are listening, who are aware, who know who Aleister Crowley is, has heard of this phrase, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. There is no law beyond do what thou wilt. Love is the law, love under will. Now, the word love here is the Greek word philema. So, his where he practiced his hellish satanic um, uh, rituals is a place where he called philema, the, 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 the abbey of philema, which is a, uh, a place where he used to conduct all of his hellish rituals. And that was out, I think that was in, in, in Italy somewhere. And they kicked him out as, as a result. When they found out what he was doing, you know, he was, they were, they booted him out of the country. You know, he was so evil that he called himself the beast. Right. I'm going to name a few people that follow him. Jimmy Page, the lead, uh, well, he's not a drummer, but he's the guitarist for the rock group Led Zeppelin, who was popular during the 1970s. He, he actually bought his, uh, Crowley's, uh, his uh, mansion right off of the, uh, in, in Loch Ness over in England. Another guy by the name of David Bowie, he was another rock star, Michael Jackson, um, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, uh, Metallica. Um, he, as a matter of fact, Ozzy Osbourne sung a song called Mr. Crowley. Yep, he sure did. Uh, there is um, a guy by the name of L. Ron Hubbard, who was the founder of Scientology. He was another um, follower of Aleister Crowley. And a guy by the name of Timothy Leary, a Harvard professor and a drug guru who died in 1996. And he said on national television, I admire Aleister Crowley. You know, he... Uh, was all for living, uh, for you know, finding your own self, and and he quoted one of his phrases. He said, "Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law," and that was a powerful statement. I wish he wasn't. I'm, I'm sorry that he wasn't around to continue, you know, in his glories, or to continue the glories that he started. So there are people that follow after Crowley's work even now. So with that being said, I'm going to get rid of this because it's making my stomach hurt. Uh, the um, occultic symbolism and the Illuminati. Now, I've already told, we've, we've already talked about this, not necessarily in great in great detail or anything of that sort, but I wanted to make aware of whoever is listening what these symbols mean. And occultism, like I said before, the word by definition means secret or hidden. And so they're not going to tell you what they're really, who they're really serving. And again, I am going to read from Scripture 
First Kings twenty one and twenty. Okay, second Kings, I'm sorry, not first Kings, second Kings. Twenty one and twenty. Let me see. No, first Kings. I'm sorry. I must have turned to a to the uh but um twenty one Okay, twenty and twenty uh, nine, uh, twenty-one and twenty. In verse twenty, and Ahab said to Elijah, "Hast thou found me, O mine enemy?" And he answered, "I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord." Now I want you to pay attention to the phrase here. I have found thee, because thou have thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. So these people that are involved in these secret societies. They join them because they want to have worldly success and they take these strange and, and satanic oaths and, you know, because they're looking for worldly power, prestige, recognition, money. Um, and so uh, I want to, this, is, this verse here in Matthew chapter 4 is going to put everything in perspective before I go on with the symbolism. Um, Matthew chapter... And when we're talking about stuff like this, I want to always make it scriptural so people are not saying, oh, you're just being conspiratorial and and it turns people off. So it's very important when you're talking about subjects like this to be very as bibliocentric as you possibly can. So Matthew chapter 4, verse, uh, I might as well start at, the ver- at verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, well, I'm sorry, verse 3. And the tempter came to him, Jesus Christ, and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. I'm going to stop right here because there's a song in 1985 that was written by Quincy Jones. And it was, you know, We Are the World and all that stuff. And I'm pretty sure you remembered it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I had the phone on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, it, it starts off, um, you know, as God has shown us that, you know, when he turned stones to bread, he didn't start off like that, but it's the only part of the song I can remember off the top of my head. And this was Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson was singing, you know, as God has shown us that by turning stones to bread. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. God didn't turn stones to bread. The devil tried to tempt Jesus Christ into doing so. And this is well, was, this was his response. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he didn't do it. He didn't turn. He could have, but he didn't. Right. So that was a, that, that's brought up right when I heard the song. I was looking at a documentary and about rock music and how you know where it came from and all this other stuff, and I said, "Wow, this is the song that I was man. Everybody was into this song, and it was so encouraging and so uplifting, and it was just you know it brought tears to everybody's eyes. We were all focused on the people, uh, those young children out there in Africa starving to death, and and that one verse." Turned on every red flag that that was possible, and I said, "This is a very satanic song, very satanic." Because if right. he had 
if Jesus Christ had a turn, what would have turned those stones into bread, we would not be saved today. We would be in hell right now. Mm-hmm. So that's totally unscriptural. So right. verse 5 says, And the devil taketh them up to an holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. He's, Satan is um, quoting Psalm 91. Right. He's misquoting it, actually, but he's quoting it out of context. And Christ said, you know, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And verse 8, now I want you to pay close attention here. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of his wor- of this world and the glory of them. And verse 9, saith to him, all these things I will give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, what? how could Jesus Christ do that? Well, we, we know, oh, well, how the, could God, uh, the devil, do this when we learn in his word that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? So what is the devil talking about? And notice Jesus Christ never disputed him at all, but the kings of the, the... What was that question you just asked? I said, how was the devil able to make this kind of an offer? Because oh, we, oh. Read in, we, we read in Scripture that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right. So here, the devil is not talking about the world as, as far as in, within the context of the cosmos. He's talking about the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdoms of this world belong to him. Right. And so he said, you know, um, if you worship me, I'll give you all this. So he's saying the same thing to all these rock stars, all of these uh, members of these secret societies. He said, if you worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. I'll give you the money and the prestige and the power. That's why... They can, you know, they they can uh, they have the television roles. That's why they can appear in the White House and hold high positions of authority with no education at all. Well, I feel like you're talking about George Bush. I'm sorry. Are you talking about George Bush? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> You know, even Obama, Obama has no experience. But he's the president of the United States. Not right. once, but twice. But so, you the symbolism. But the symbolism, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a little off track here. But symbolism is very uh, common within the occult. And I'm going to start off with the pentagram. Now, there are two, well, there's only one pentagram, but um, it depends on the position of the pentagram. Now, first of all, the pentagram with one point up is a representation of the, uh, of the Wiccan religion. It, 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 and all the pinnacles 
are symbolic of the five points of the earth, which is earth, wind, water, fire, spirit. Now, when the the star is turned upside down, it and the two points are up, that's symbolic of the Satanist church, which is, it, it kind of represents the, the goat of Mendez or the horned god of the night. Mm-hmm. You also have the hexagram or the Star of David. And that is the most evil star in all of the occult. The word hex means to put a hex on someone. And this is on the uh, the flag, the, the Israeli flag. And it was given by the Rothschilds. And, you know, this is to, this is to be drawn on the floor when, you know, when uh, people want to talk to demons and things of that sort. But this is the most common depiction of the hexagram, the Star of David, uh, mm-hmm. known as the Megan David, is the, st- is the symbol of the flag of Israel, and of course they've been using this as a, as a symbol of their faith, but it's also a symbol that multiple European country communities have historically forced Jews to wear as identification, most notably by Nazi Germany in the 20th century. And this has a, of course I already explained it, it has a Kabbalistic and occult meaning. And in the 19th century, the Zionist movement adopted this symbol. Because of the multiple associations, some Jews, particularly some Orthodox Jews, do not use this star at all as a symbol of their faith. This is also known as the, 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 the Seal of Solomon. Solomon backslid and started following after other gods, and this was his star. You know, this became his star. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've heard I've heard Freemasons refer to King Solomon as well uh, as being a Freemason, and uh, they claim. Well, if you look at the lodge, if I'm not mistaken, you know, there's a lot of symbolism there, and one symbolism I've heard them make is about the two columns. Uh, when you walk into the lodge, there are two columns, and one column represents Jacob, and the other one represents Boaz. Um, the checkered floor supposedly has a meaning I forgot, but there's a story. They there's well, we remember back in the Book of Kings, and it's talking about when Solomon was building the uh, temple, the first temple for the Lord that he inquired the help of one by the name of Hiram Abbott. Uh, Freemasons, and this is from what they told me, Hiram Abbott was, uh, was a very important character, and he's a very important character in Freemasons. Uh, whether it, uh, I'm thinking he may hold more uh, importance 
in the uh, Prince, what is it? Uh, not Prince Charles, uh, Prince Hall Freemasonry. That's like a black version of Freemasonry. Yeah, it uh, is. But, yeah, Prince Hall Masonry pretty much said that Harem Abbott is the one who helped um, Solomon build the temple, and he got all the ideas from Harem Abbott. And then they, uh, but I think it's more like of a word game for them because it's supposed to mean something deeper. Uh, like they bring up somebody named uh, Jubilee, Jubilal, and Jubila or something like that. Three, three brothers who were killed uh, with the square, you know, like they have the square and the compass. Right. Saying that they killed with, uh, killed with the square. But this is just an, another example as to how they take certain things from the scriptures and twist it all up to mean something completely out of context uh, in regards to what they hold sacred. Yeah, um, that's exactly what they do. Um, a lot of, uh, let me uh, hasten on here. Um, modern and early modern occult thought, because the triangle, wait a minute. Okay, uh, I lost my um, place here. The, du- the duality of the two triangles in Eastern Kabbalistic and occult circles, the hexagrams meeting is commonly closely tied to the fact that it is composed of two triangles pointing in opposite directions. This relates to the union of opposites, such as the male and female. It it also commonly uh, references the union of the spiritual and the physical, with spiritual reality touching down. Now, see, in a lot of occultic groups, you have the reference to sex magic. Mm-hmm. And like the Ankh, the Ankh is supposed to represent regeneration. And it's also supposed to represent uh, female um, or some type of um, inner, uh, some kind of collusion between the male and the female. And if they come together, they're supposed to uh, it's it's supposed to represent a or reincarnation of the spirit of 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 the spiritual. And the only way for this to happen or to take place is for some type of sexual union between the two. And this is what the uh, let me read this real quick about mm -hmm. the uh. All right, and uh, tell me what you think about this. I'm reading from the Antichrist 666 Titan, Titan Book 1, written by uh, William Josiah Sutton, page 45, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, he says, there were many symbols that identified with pagan worship, and one of them was the letter T. This was the symbol of life beyond the one, I mean, beyond the grave, and it was also the symbol of Tammuz, 
the Lord of death and rebirth. In Egypt, his symbol was called an ark. As we established earlier, Baal worship sacrificed human beings, and because Tammuz's name began with a T, they would make wooden pals in the shape of a T and then place their sacrifices on them. In due time, miniature amulets were made as symbols of sun worship. They looked like an ankh. So uh, when he continues, when Solomon began to worship a form of this system of Satan, it was primarily because of the pagan wives he married. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart. For it, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other, God, after other gods. And this, his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then, then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. First Kings, chapter eleven, three uh, verses three through seven. What's interesting, David, is he said that uh, that star is in association with Solomon, and I do recall where God rebuked the children of Israel for worshiping Molech in association to this star that we call David. Star, although David didn't have a star, is actually Solomon's star, and is in regards to worship of Molech. Yeah, um, it, it is very fascinating because people have been told to believe that this star was a representation of the Jewish religion, and and it was also a representation of the. Um, you know, of the, of the country of Israel, which was founded in, in 19, well, it was established in 1948. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, people just don't know. And, and I think it's, it, it's a shame because our education system has been uh, fractured. You know, our educa- oh yeah, our education has been fractured, and so uh, so we have to really. It's up to us to think for ourselves, and um, you know, ask the Lord for discernment, and keep reading His Word. Now uh, we have, excuse me, we have five minutes. Uh, I'm gonna finish reading here because there's something that I want everyone to understand uh, the meaning of. And 
So uh, I'm going to go on. Uh, and, and before uh, I do, uh, are there any questions, comments? I guess not. No, I guess not. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on. Uh, so, um, okay, this relates to the union of opposites, which is such as the male and female. It also commonly re uh, references the union of the spiritual and the physical with the spiritual reality reaching down and physical reality stretching upward. This intertwining of worlds can also be seen as a representation of the hermetic principle as above so below referencing uh, how changes in one world reflects changes in the other so that's basically what that means as above so below and do you and, know that it was a uh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but did you know there was a, a Bible translation that uh, inter or translated the Lord's Prayer, where it says, "Thou Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy bread." I mean, I'm talking about hallowed be thy bread, hallowed be thy name, thy uh -huh. kingdom come. You know the part where it says, uh, "In earth as it is in heaven." It's gone. They, they, well, they well, in some of them, uh, they remove it, but in another one, they use the phrase, as above, so below. Yeah, I've seen that. Crazy, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, 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 it's really, really strange how um, a lot of these Bible translations um, have occultic terminology in them, or they have, you know, their, their verses are completely deleted but um so we have the upside down question mark and the the, the cross which basically is um uh, or should i say the, the cross of reason I, I guess that's what it's called and and that means that it's questioning the the person in the work of jesus christ did he die on the cross and then he, did he shed his blood for our sins is he the savior is he the the chosen one to uh you know that was brought that, that was uh what what was he the one to uh save us from our sins and i'm pretty sure you've seen it it's it's like an upside down crucifix with a question mark underneath it and that was on the cover of a rock group known as Blue Oyster Cult. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another, uh, we, uh, we've already discussed the Ankh. Uh, we've already discussed the, uh, well, we haven't discussed any of the, a lot of the symbols that are down in D.C., like the Washington Monument. Um, let's, save, let's save that for the next show. And we'll right, probably then. do that. A little earlier because my schedule was like a one-off type schedule for the rest of this week. So, uh -huh. you know, if you want to do it Wednesday, we can do it. All right, Wednesday is fine then. Wednesday is fine. I shall be around. So, um, 
So it's just the three of us on the phone now, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Just wondering. Just wondering. So I'm gonna leave. Uh, give one. Give you guys one last chance to have any comments or questions before we conclude for this evening. Well, I did want to say that um, uh, I, I would really like to start showing, you know, in the next, maybe in the next couple of shows after we go over, like, some of the ins and outs of the symbolisms uh, and the black magic and stuff involved. Uh, well, I think the next show probably will we talk about the uh, symbolisms and then we also talk about, uh, I think we ought to start with the lower levels of these fraternities sororities like the Eastern Stars and the Freemasons. Uh, I call them the Boy Scout. I call them the Boy Scout version. And okay. Yeah, I want I want so that so that the brothers and the sisters can understand why affiliations with these types of uh, organizations uh, could actually get them in more trouble than they want. Uh, not with man, but with God. Right. Because, you know, these organizations all come from one person, and that's Satan. Correct. You know, and we know Satan is the adversary. He's the enemy. And, you know, the Bible says that we can't love or serve two masters. So, you know, I want to touch on that and, all, and the symbolisms as well, because they all use, all of them, use some type of symbol. And mm-hmm. every symbol that's used has something to do with the occult. And there's an ancient meaning to it. And, you know, David, you touched it with Solomon and how his wives led him to uh, idolatry and uh, how these symbols, especially the star, the so-called star of David, is actually the star of uh of a false god, an astrological god at that. Um, so, you know, the symbolisms found in Washington, D.C., in New York, even uh, in Rome, you know, with the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. Egypt, and also, uh, uh, or I said Rome, Catholic Church, and, uh, oh, the Eiffel Tower, all of that, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. These places have uh, these places are like riddled with occult language or occult symbolism. Yep. But I think it also is, it ties into the fact that these places, these particular places, like Washington D.C., uh, Washington D.C. sits on the uh, what they call the God's longitude which is 77 degrees longitude. And you have to think as to why did they choose that specific place as, you know, the capital for the New World or the United States, which which was called the New World. And it just goes to show that the New World was, was an idea that had been thought about 
centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And in all, and in all honesty, it's just a, a, a resurrection or a resurrected form of the Tower of Babel because it incorporates both the one world religion that was at the Tower of Babel and also the political system with one man as the head of the government, which was Nimrod. Mm-hmm. And the Antichrist is going to be just that. And I also would like for the saints to see how prophecy plays a role uh, in this topic. So, yeah, um, I think if we honed in on on those uh, particular topics, I think we can hit a home run, my brother. Uh, Yeah, um, we could. That 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 is exactly right. If if we're able to just keep it simple, like you you told me in the room, you said to uh, give you a simple definition of what dispensationalism was. And at, at first, I didn't know what you were talking about, but like, oh, you want me to just like simplify it? I thought maybe people would understand my previous uh, definition, but yeah. Um, because I thought I was wrong, you know. I thought the first definition was wrong, but yeah. Oh um, no, I, I, hmm? it, it was. It, it wasn't wrong. It's just that you know what I'm saying. Like, I hate to say it, but you know, people are not as diligent as they used to be. You know, yeah. and you know what I'm saying. Sometimes you just have to give them a little tiny piece at a time, and which is fine. You know, they still. You know, and, and, uh, until we get, like, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, once we start doing the brothers, like Darian, Jamel, you and myself, once we start collaborating and consolidating some of the stuff that we're doing, uh, mm-hmm. I, still, I still think it's going to be, uh, uh, how can I say, a lack of, a lack of diligence on Lit on the people who listen because, uh, you know, people get into the mindset of being fed all of the time instead of, you know, feeding themselves. Uh, so, but I'll just, this is where we pray for the saints on issues like this <clears throat> because, you know, time is literally running out. It yeah. really is. And I know Brother Janelle is, uh, I think he's supposed to have a show tomorrow. And I, like I said, I think we ought to at least be there to support him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Help him out. Uh, and just stand, you know, stand firm with him. <clears throat> I mean, it's not like he's going, he's having a discussion with an unbeliever. But, mm-hmm. you know, when when people get into their mindset, that they are smarter than you, or that they, you know they like they don't found something totally uh, different, and this must be it or whatever. They get you know knowledge puffs up, yeah. and you know what I'm saying like, uh, I think we ought to just be accountable to one another. So yeah, bro, um, if we go in that direction with with this one right here. Uh, the New World Order, we, coming, we are definitely coming from a biblical perspective. 
yeah, I would love to touch on the the lower the lower level Freemasons and fraternities, Eastern stars, and all that, mm-hmm. and the prophetic uh, the prophetic uh, connection or the prophetic uh, word on what's what's about to take place. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Well, all right then. It shall be done uh, Wednesday. Um, uh, er, you said earlier. How early? Well, no, I'm saying like uh, Thursday. Uh, no, no, Wednesday. Let's see. I think I work Monday. No, more. We can do it Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah, because I'm off. I think Wednesday. So since I'm off Wednesday. I ain't got to go to bed early. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, Tuesday at 8, or if if you since you don't have to work the following day, I can make it later, like around 9. Uh, 8 or 9, that's fine with me. Okay. 9 and then right. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to post it in the group as opposed to on my own timeline. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it right, man. Uh, yeah, we'll, and I'll, we'll and I'll check it out. I'll check it out, and um, and if I have to edit anything, I will. Just uh, make sure you put the phone number. <laughs> yeah, I got to put the phone number in too. I got to remember all that. See, I, I didn't even. I was running. Or I was at the laundromat, and longer than I expected it, and I can't uh, say all that on mine. But um. Yeah, uh, so I'll just uh, so if you would uh, just close, but but before I ask you to do that, you know, I would like to thank everybody for be- joining us. The, those that did, I would like to thank you for for doing so. And I'll leave the link in the uh, the Bible study group, so those that weren't able to call in can listen in on their spare time whenever, whether they're at work or uh, on their way, or even at home drinking tea or, um, you know, sitting, watching television or looking at a YouTube video, you can listen in to the show and, you know, just check out what we're actually saying, you know, and, and look it up for yourself. If if you think for one second that we're being too conspiratorial and some of this stuff can't possibly happen now, well, all you have to do is just turn on the television. Just turn on your new, your local news report or listen to the radio, or even go outside. Just just go out and, and check out for yourself that these things are actually happening right before our eyes. The show right. movie was called Hidden in Plain Sight. It was um, Tom Cruise. Oh, I'm sorry, not, not Hidden in Plain Sight. It was called um, Eyes Wide Shut. You know, it, it was a movie that came out, I think it was in 2002. It was... Um, characters were Tom Cruise and uh, what was the other actress's name? can't remember off the top of my head right now. But, yeah, just uh, check out everything that we're saying. Look it up and, you know, pray and be diligent and, and uh, ask the Lord for direction. Ask the Lord for discernment more than anything else. And yeah. uh, just... Uh, so... GT, if you would, close us out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Father God, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for bringing uh, David and I together and everybody else who called in. Uh, I pray to God that, uh, I pray to you, Father, that you open their minds and their hearts to uh, with understanding and encourage them, Father God, to do their research. And any brother or sister which may be a part of these fraternities and sororities and if they are still on the fence about it, I pray, Father God, that you convict their hearts, uh, show them the errors of these fraternities and these secret societies and how you disapprove of any of your children to affiliate with them. You said in Revelation, Father God, about Mystery Babylon, for your people to come out of her, come out of her, and that's what mainly all of these secret societies are. They are either <clears throat> part of Mystery Babylon or they, well, they, they all are part of it, but Father God, they either directly or indirectly are a part of it. And in either case, they are a part of it. And you told your saints to come out of her. So I pray, Father God, that you touch your, your sons and your daughters to leave these places uh, and encourage them, Father God, to seek your faith and your son, Jesus Christ, who is the real light. He is the light of the world, Father God, and he does not operate in darkness. So that said, Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, thank everyone that called in and everyone that will listen. I pray, Father God, that you open the minds and hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I shall talk to you Tuesday. Well, you'll be on the show Tuesday, so uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon, tomorrow perhaps. Okay, yeah. Um, just uh, look in your inbox, and I'll be messaging you uh, that way. I got to go and cook dinner. <laughs> oh, okay. Then go and cook dinner for your wifey. And right. I, I'll uh, be on I'll, I'll be on Facebook all night, so it's not going to be a problem. Okay. All right. Roger that. All right. Well, good night. God bless. And uh, have a safe night. You too.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.